take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 will be our text tonight in verse 30, starting in verse 30 and go through verses 30, uh, 33, 30 through 33, making our church relevant. Uh, I was trying to think of a story that would make things relevant, and so I couldn't help think but of a better story, something that uh, happened in our country here just recently. As you know, our president had um, uh, said we're going to take troops out of Syria and so forth, and and so people were kind of concerned about that, and they, he sent uh, Mike Papeo and, and our vice president, Brother Mike Pence, over to Syria and uh, Turkey to to negotiate a peace thing, to get them to stop shooting at each other. He went over there, and uh, Brother Brother Pence did a great job with it. I mean, he did, and got into a ceasefire. He did so well that the president's thinking about sending him, sending him to Chicago next to settle that one. <laughs> That'd be relevant, wouldn't it? Okay. All right. John chapter 3 and verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly. And speaketh of the earth, he that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony has set this to his seal, that God is true. Now shall we pray. Father, I pray as we look into your word tonight, thy Holy Ghost now will just take over. I can't do it, so I pray that you would, in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Someone says, Pastor, I just don't believe that our church is relevant. In the day in which we live, I must agree with that 100%. I believe that we ought to make Central Baptist Church relevant. Have I scared you now? Okay. It is Halloween this week. Um, but the question is, relevant to what? Relevant to what? Think of the text. John the Baptist, the man who many follow in that day, is the one actually speaking in our text. Matter of fact, uh, some think that Jesus was doing all this speaking here. It's not him. It's actually John the Baptist, uh, starting in verse uh, 22 when we get there, throughout th- verse 36. That's actually John the Baptist speaking, and it's pretty strong. But let's, let's just catch it right there. Let me read that for you real quickly, beginning with verse 22. After these things came Jesus and his disciples to the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Enon near Salem because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. And there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came to John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness Behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given to him from heaven. Now, Jesus would tell 
Pilate the same thing. You wouldn't have what you have unless it was given to you from above. He goes on to say in verse 28, you yourselves hear me, uh, hear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which uh, standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. And so... Why is he so fulfilled in his joy? Because Christ has come. His ministry is accomplished. He was preparing a way before him. And so that's where he takes off. Now, the, uh, when you get to verse 29, you find out when he says, my joy is fulfilled. He's rejoicing. His, his disciples, the, the disciples of John the Baptist, they're not happy. Because now Jesus is getting all the attention that John the Baptist was getting. And you see, they're not jealous for righteousness. They're jealous for John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, no, don't do that. Don't be jealous for me. Let's be happy that this is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the one we're here about. We're about Jesus Christ. You see, the ministry is not about Central Baptist Church. Uh, the ministry is not about uh, Bloom. The ministry is not about anyone here, but rather it is about the Lord Jesus Christ. So, to whom then is the ministry to be relevant? To Jesus Christ. Okay. We're bringing people to Christ. We're not trying to bring the church to the world or trying to bring the world into the church. We're trying to bring Christ to people and bring them to God's house. That's our responsibility. So what we must decide is the ministry relevant to Jesus Christ or the world in ourselves. You see, he must increase. I must decrease. I was reading yesterday, and I didn't have this to begin as a part of my message, but uh, I read this yesterday in what is called the Baptist Bread. And I thought, boy, this is very good. But he started out with uh, Psalm, 140, uh, Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still know that I am God. Distinctions are all around us. Distractions, should I say, are all around us. And Satan and the world make sure they proliferate. That is those distractions. It affects our praying, our performance, and our thinking. Earthly distractions call attention to the present, but quiet time with God calls attention to eternity. Earthly distractions focus attention on pleasing the flesh. Quiet time with God focuses attention on pleasing God. Earthly distractions cause the love of the wrong thing. Quiet time with God causes us to love the right things. Earthly distractions create temporal priorities. Quiet time with God creates spiritual priorities. Earthly distractions militate against doctrines taught in the Word. Quiet time with God reinforces what the Bible teaches. Earthly distractions lead to making excuses about our Savior. 
quiet time with God leads us to the blessings of correct behavior. Earthly distractions direct us down the unscriptural paths. Quiet time with God directs us down the scriptural paths to our lives, for our lives. Earthly distractions do not exalt God. Quietness with God exalts Him. So remember, be still and know that I am God. Well, it's a call there to walk with God. Now let us remember what happened in the ministry of Jesus Christ. The first time he feeds 5,000. The second time he feeds 4,000. Finally, the 12 flee and run. He is left alone there in the garden. And that happens in a time in about three and a half years that all of that takes place. They all forsake him and leave. Perhaps people say, don't preach so hard. Don't, Don't preach against sin. Quit attacking the contemporary and emerging church movements. We don't grow if people feel bad when they leave here. Well, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus lit into it. You ever read the sermon, you say, you ought to preach like Jesus. Listen to how he preached in Matthew 23. Just read through it. You hypocrites, you vipers, you serpents, you whited sepulchers. I mean, uh, how would you like it if I was preaching that way? Jesus preached that way. And guess what? They didn't like it. But he was trying to change their lives because if they don't respond to him, they won't like eternity. And what's going to happen to them? Jesus preached that way. The reason people feel bad when they are under strong Bible preaching is that they won't repent. They don't want to repent. They want to continue in their sin. Now, Jesus Christ can take the power as well as the penalty for any sin, for all sin, for all time, for any person who will come to him in repentance and faith. Jesus does that for us. He'll do that for anyone. Look over in John chapter 7 and verse 7. Jesus says, The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Why did they hate Jesus? He testified of their works, plural. Other words, he just didn't name a sin. He named all sins, and he named sin, and the world didn't like it. He named the sins of the evil. He named the sins of religious people. Some of the evil people, when they heard it, they got right with God. Mary Magdalene had seven devils. The lady was a witch, but she gets saved. The woman at the well got saved. The most immoral thing, you don't want your family around, but she got saved. And so when we look at this, we see that Jesus Christ uh, named sin. Some people heard his message and said, you know what? I need to get right with God. Religious people said, I'm offended. Now, there was not a greater among men born of a woman than John the Baptist, Jesus told us. His reply to his followers here in this text that I just read 
to you shows that that is true. He was willing to step aside that Jesus might be glorified, that his name might be lifted up. I think of Jeremiah. He faced some of the same things that we face today. His, back then it was temple worship, it's synagogue worship. And they were starting to, they were keeping their synagogue and temple worship. But now they were incorporating the world. They wanted to sound like the world. They wanted to look like the world. And they wanted to have the things of the world. And so they did that. And because their worship and life was that way, we read in Jeremiah 6, 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. They rebelled against it. They didn't like that preaching. Hey, go back to the old paths, go back to the old standards, go back to the word of God, go back to that. Do God's will, God's way. They didn't want to do it. And who told them to do that? <laughs> it wasn't Jeremiah, actually. He was just the messenger. He said, thus saith the Lord. The Lord told them in chapter 5, verse 31, he says, the prophets prophesy falsely. I think of Jude 4, the same goes on today. They turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. Hey, it's all right to do that. We've got liberty to do those things now. Under the law, you didn't have liberty to do those things. Well, the law didn't save anybody. The law was a great liberating thing because it showed you you needed a Savior. And it caused them to look forward to that. But once Jesus came and died and paid our penalty on the cross and buried and rose from the dead, that didn't free man to live in sin. That didn't free man to do the things that fulfill the lust of the flesh. There are those that try to teach that today. And those are the false prophets. Those are people to avoid. Those are people that will lead you down the wrong paths. Don't go that direction. He says the prophesy, uh, prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And here's the hard part. And my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? When God comes to judge, when God judges, what are you going to do then? Israel had to find out the hard way. So, with that background, let's look to our text. First of all, verse 30, we must be willing to humble ourselves. Now, understand about John. John was not the kind of person that people wanted to emulate. Or at least not to emulate in certain ways. For example, in Matthew chapter 3 verse 4. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair. And a leathern girdle about his loins. And his meat was locusts and wild honey. How many people you think ran off to the various stores and said, Man, i got to get me some camel hair. I've got to eat uh, uh, locusts and, and get some wild honey. That's going to be, Man, that's me. Boy, I'm going to be like John. No, I don't think anybody tried to emulate that. They didn't try to emulate that. I wouldn't. So it wasn't his dress. It wasn't his presentation when they came to him. Because when he would come to them, he would say, repent. 
He told Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. A lot of people don't understand that uh, these guys that took a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and named sin that we honor today were not honored then. Now, he had a crowd come out. He had a crowd that came out. What must we do? And he'd tell them. The Pharisees were so afraid of him because so many people had followed them, got baptized. But they allowed it to pass over and they went on. But understand, John told of one who would come after him. In John 1.29, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. That's who John was the forerunner of. That's who John was uh, about. You see, Jesus Christ was relevant. John the Baptist was also relevant. But not to the world. They were relevant to heaven. They were relevant to God's word. They were relevant to holiness but not to the world. They believed strongly John the Baptist and those who would heed that preaching, they believed very strongly about the wrath to come. Question is, do we? Do we? Humbling yourself may be taking the ridicule that religious people who are supposed to be of your own stripe and taking it and taking it and taking it some more. But the appeal is not to the flesh, for that appeal spells death. And if you're saved, it spells saved so as by fire. I don't want that for anybody. I don't want that for anybody. Now, people who are named the name of Christ, yet they want to look like the world, just like Israel did in their day, may find, as Jeremiah, that when people of the church won't repent, God must remove it. Little booklet that... Uh, I thought was well done is called the trail of blood. And you'll look at these people that, boy, I tell you what, they were strong. You had the Polynesians and so forth like that. But then all of a sudden there's another name for them. Then there's not. Why? Because after a while, they start to absorb into the world. They wanted to seem like, well, we're mainstream. I'm tired of everybody calling us a cult. And they would want to go that direction. So God would say, okay, go on that direction, die with the rest. I will have to raise up a new work. And that's what he did. That's what he did. When is Jesus coming? Very soon, I hope. But understand, any work, any ministry can be removed when it turns its back on the way of the Lord. And so, as we look at this, it makes us think, if people won't repent, what is going to happen in America? What is going to happen to your children and grandchildren if the church doesn't turn from its sin in America? Now, folks, I get the reports coming to me at school here of some things. 
Just think of what it would be if it was the same thing in the school. It would be much worse in the public school, should I say. And we must stand for Jesus Christ. And never, never, never give up the old paths. Never give up on what he's told us to do. Yet many Christians who are not caught up in those things, are too busy talking about their liberty or what's wrong with other people or what's wrong with this person, that person. And yet they won't even invite someone to hear the gospel. They don't witness. There are things of prayer and ministry they don't do because it's simply inconvenient for them to do so. And my question is simply this. What... When you stand before God and he impressed on your heart that ministry. I I don't know what the ministry may be. He may have uh, given you a talent to sing as as a choir. And you could have sing in the choir. He may have given you a talent to play an instrument. But I don't want to get up there and play an instrument. He may have uh, given you the, the ability to drive a bus. He may have given you so many other things to teach or whatever. Or just to go knock on doors. Or just to be that prayer warrior. I, I was sharing with somebody today, I just, the book we did in Sunday school lessons not too long ago, but a year or two ago, on how to pray for Central Baptist Church, how to pray for your pastor, how to pray for your fellow members, how to pray for your deacons, and so forth. And that book is on our website, by the way. But, somebody's going to be a prayer warrior, and they pray through that, and they follow that, and think those things through. It's going to, they're going to be spending a couple hours in prayer every day. Well, that's just not convenient. Why? Because that'll cut into my golf. That'll cut, cut into my uh, programs I want to watch. That'll cut into, well, they don't say that. But that's the truth, is it not? Now, you may believe that uh, America's fine and there's no problem here and things are going hunky-dory. Don't forget, judgment begins at the house of God. Don't forget that. So many times, these people who aren't into these far out things, they're not into the contemporary, they're not into the emerging, those things that are people not into those sins, but they're resting in, I don't do those things. And they're not doing anything. And my friend, what I want you to understand, what I want you to see is, is that when we get to that point, we become one of the greatest hindrances to revival and a vehicle for destruction. Let's quit looking for convenience. We've got an eternity for rest. Now it's the time to be busy for the Lord. It's time to admit our failure, to humble ourselves. And, and, and by the way, that includes his preachers as well. And we need to go after souls fully believing that they can be saved. And they can be saved by hearing the word at a true Bible preaching, Bible teaching church that stands on the word of God and preaches the word as it is to men as they are. God hasn't changed the plan of salvation. He hasn't changed the idea of to go out and tell it as it is to men as they are. And until he changes the Bible, which he will never do, his word stands forever, then we need to do God's will, God's way. In verse 31, 
We see not only are we to humble ourselves, but we are to hearken unto heaven. Look again at verse 31. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. That brings a question. Is he who is from heaven the one who dominates our speech? You say, what do you mean? 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 through 6 is very instructive about this. It says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is nothing in this world that cannot be defeated in your Christian life if you give full sway and power to the Holy Spirit within you if you're saved. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. And the world heareth them. Why does the world hear the contemporary and emerging church? It's simple. We're told here. They're in the world. They speak of the world. And the world hears them. They're like the world. They're saying what the world wants to hear. Not what God wants them to say and do. He says, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. How can you discern? That guy that when you start talking about the things of the Lord just wants to get away from you and not hang around. That guy that wants to try to change himself. Oh, you wouldn't embarrass people if you talk like that. That's the person who's trying to act like a Christian but is walking with the world. So the question comes is, are we going to be relevant to heaven or the flesh? You know, people on the various kinds of social media, probably the biggest downfall in America today, Christian and non-Christian. But if you find yourself on Facebook quite a bit during the day, but you're never in the Bible that day, guess what has become a God in your life? No apologies coming for that, by the way. That is the actual truth. And some will have that time in the Bible, but it's like, okay, I read these five verses. Yeah, let me find out what's happening here, and let me find out what's happening there with so-and-so. And that person, we're doing all the Facebook, and we're sending back and forth all kind of gossip and other sin that we shouldn't be doing. But we're all right because we're not getting drunk or doing drugs. Wake up. Just simply wake up. Do we actually believe that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? Are we willing for others to get mad and argue about MAGA hats? Or on the other hand, some kind of a hat that stands for abortion? Why are we not rather willing to wear a Bible hat, and I'm speaking figuratively, that speaks of God and the salvation that he gives, the forgiveness that is found in him? He is greater, and he's given us his word. We need to speak of him to hell-bound sinners, to this hell-bound world. If they avoid you, If they speak angrily to you, 
or about you as you witness and proclaim righteousness, then understand, I don't care if they say they're saved, they are not of God. They are either very backslid, but more than likely they are religious and not saved. Therefore, even though they may treat you wrongly, don't give up on their soul. Don't give up on their soul. Keep praying for them. When they act like that, that says they just need more prayer. They need more of it. The world can be one to religion with contemporary and emerging church philosophies. They can be one to religion even with Calvinistic philosophies that are supposedly appealing to our intellect. And those that turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. But let me tell you something. That is another Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 3 and 4 says this. But I fear, lest by any means, as he, as the serpent beguiled Eve through subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which we have not received. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, people put the name Jesus, and they'll say the Holy Spirit. But understand, the Spirit that God put in me is the Holy Spirit. He's not seeking to justify the flesh. He's trying to keep me in victory over the flesh. So he says, that if you received another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. In other words, understand, they're not saved. We're not peddling a pseudo-Christianity. Yet, we do that if we're trying to be relevant to the world instead of being relevant to Jesus Christ. That's exactly what we're doing. And we can't do that and be faithful to God. So, we look at verse 30. He said, to humble ourselves. In verse 31, hearken unto him that is from heaven. Now look at verse 32. He says, and... What he has seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. Other words, we need to hear what he testifies. We need to hear from heaven. We need to hear from this book. That's what he's telling us here. We notice that man does not receive his testimony. Again, he said, uh, and he that has seen and heard what he testifieth, and no man, no man receiveth his testimony. He's talking about Jesus. That's talking about John. Man, when he says no man, he's talking about government. He's talking about religion there. Yeah, people got saved. But he's talking about in general, they didn't receive his testimony. That's why they ended up crucifying the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They would not believe him. They would not receive his testimony. So if they receive not his testimony, what makes us think they will receive our testimony? His testimony did not have the world. It did not have the flesh. It did not have the things of the devil. It didn't have any of those things in it. It didn't have those things in it that made it palatable to the world. So what makes us think 
the people will get saved if we make it palatable to them. Palatable to their flesh is not of God. Look, Jesus was rejected by the world. John the Baptist was beheaded. If you cannot see eternity, you will never stand for Jesus Christ. You just won't stand for Jesus Christ. We live in the evil day. The world will attack. It'll do all it can against us. You see, Satan is both a deceiver, but he's also a false accuser. That is why he has so many false accusers in local churches. That's why people get out there and they say, oh, look at that, look at that person. You know what this person did? Oh, what did they say when you went to him about it? Well, you know, I couldn't do that. You liar. You become a false accuser and you don't even know the devil is directing your life. And it leads to failure. There's no risk. Again, let me say that. There is absolutely no risk in abandoning yourselves to God. Giving your all to Him. There's no risk in that. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. He will take you through whatever problems. Look, I don't care if you're the most uh, holy person in the world, or you're the most unholy person in the world. There's going to be trials and troubles that come to life. But when you have the Lord, those things can be overcome. Victoriously, righteously, holily. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, uh, Paul had a messenger of, in the, of, of Satan. A thorn in the flesh. And people say, was it his eyes? It could have been. I don't know. But really what was behind it was the, the messenger of Satan. It was one of Satan's devils that were causing these physical problems for Paul. And so it says in, 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 in verse uh, 8, he says that for this reason, for this thing, I sought God, the, the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You know what? Paul said, I must decrease. He must increase. And when I decrease, then the strength of the Lord is manifest in me and through me. That's what he's telling us. And that can be true for you. That can be true for me. That can be true for each of us. And just think. 
And if, remember, if, that, that, that's a word that uh, is a conditional word. And if children, first of all, you must be saved. But if you are, then you're heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if, all right, there's another conditional. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. See, there are going to be people saved so as by fire. They're not going to share in the reward. They're going to be saved so as by fire. But he says in verse 18, but I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. You've got to decide whether you believe God about that or not. And your life will show it if you do. But understand, when you do, there is great opposition. Again, are we relevant to this world or are we relevant to eternity? Finally, verse 33, he said, He that hath received his testimony has set this to his seal, that God is true. Now that word hath is a word that is expressing possession. Do I have it? That's the question I've got to ask myself. Have I truly received his testimony and set it to my seal that God is true? Now think about the thing with the seal. They put a seal on the tomb of Jesus. Who was going to break it? People were afraid to break it because that was a governmental seal. The women went to the garden wondering who will roll away the stone for us. It was not only the idea of who has the strength to roll away that big stone, but it's the idea who has the authority that will break that so we can see him. What they didn't know is that uh, God has all authority. He's the only potentate. He's the only absolute ruler. And he broke it. But then on the other hand, there are the seven sealed book. There's the seven sealed book in Revelation. And, 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 and John cries, the apostle John cries because there's no one worthy to open the book to break those seals. But the Lamb. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, breaks those seals and unfolds what's going to happen. If the seal on us is broken here, it will be at the judgment seat of Christ for sure for the Christian. What will be seen? Will they see Christ exalted? In other words, have I set to my seal before God and man that God is true and every man is a liar? Do I live by his word? Does my life show that Christ is Lord in me? You know, people get saved. And the Bible calls them babes in Christ. So what must they do? Well, they've got to figure out, man, I'm a newborn in Christ. And 
there are things that come into their life, the devil throws things at them, and they want to get to another Christian. I hope that you're a Christian they can go to. But babies have to be fed, they have to be cared for, they have to have everything taken care of. The problem is that you've been saved for several years now, and you still have to go to find other Christians to get the help instead of having developed a relationship with God that you can go to His Word and get the help from His Spirit, which is the best help you can get. And look, there's nothing wrong going to someone and say, you know, I'm trying to find something about this, and, and they have a scripture they can give you and all that, and they can be a help. But don't let your pastor and don't let another Christian take the place the Holy Ghost ought to have in your heart and life. And you do that when you're walking with God. And I don't want to keep you from walking with God because you're depending on me and putting your faith in me instead of in God and in His Word. That's where our counsel comes from. So how long have you been saved? Are you finding his direction for your life in his word and doing it? Again, is my life relevant to God or to the world? Perhaps as Psalms 121, verse 1. I will look into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Sometimes we wonder, you'll see somebody that you're going through trials and you say, why aren't they asking people to pray for them? And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we're asking you to pray for Roundup Sunday. Uh, we're asking you to pray for other people that are facing some things, like Brother Scott Sutton uh, facing some things that he's facing. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, whatever. But some people just don't share those things. He said they must be ashamed. No. They're wanting to get their power and direction and deliverance from the Lord himself because they have a close personal relationship with him. You've heard me say it before. I want to say it one more time. The voice of God in our heart, in our inner man, ought to be as familiar or even more familiar than the voice of our spouse to our ear. When it gets to that point, perhaps you're walking as we ought to walk. And then we need to maintain that walk. So let me close this up by saying this. We had testimonies. Praise God for those testimonies a little while ago. Praise God for so many. And, and, and not just the uh, things of the school, but, uh, you know, Brother E.B. had something. And, and then over here we had something. And back here we had something. And, and over here something else. And those were great testimonies. They, they really were. That blessed my heart. It really did. But I think of the testimony of praying for OCA, and you heard the answer to that. I think of the testimony of the way people prayed for our revival meetings, and we saw the answers to that. Are we praying with that fervency for Roundup Sunday? Well, it's just another Sunday. Yeah, just another chance to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. 
just another chance to bring somebody in that might get saved and saved from hell. Remember, somebody was brought in today for the first time on the bus ministry and they got saved. Are you praying daily? Maybe tonight you need to come and pray and say, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. Especially if you haven't even invited someone, let alone witness to them. Perhaps tonight you've witnessed to, to many or you've, you've invited many. You need to come up and pray for them. Let's get serious about Christ being our all in all. Let's be relevant. Relevant to heaven. Relevant to Jesus Christ. Let's quit trying to play both sides of the fence. Let's be relevant to him. Let's bow our heads, please.